0: Welcome to the Therapist Desk Podcast, where insight meets introspection. I'm your host, Cedric Dale Horde, a licensed professional counselor. Join me as we travel on a journey through the landscapes of mental and emotional well-being, discussions on faith, and navigating the complexities of life. New episodes release on the first and third Wednesdays of every month because your mental health journey matters. So let's embark on this transformative journey together. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to the Therapist Desk Podcast. We are in episode five. Wow, five episodes already in. I am so thankful. I'm so honored that you are listening to this podcast. I never want to come across as someone who acts entitled. Someone who has this sense of entitlement that you all should listen to me just because it's me. No, I'm incredibly thankful you are under no obligation to listen to this podcast. So I'm thankful that you're choosing to listen to it. And as always, I really hope and pray that this podcast is adding value to your life. Today, we are gonna talk about the topic of emotions, but specifically how our emotions and the emotions that we feel relate to our relationship with God. Unfortunately, and historically, traditionally, and some of you might have even experienced this yourself, the church, when I say the church, I'm not talking about obviously a specific church, but more so speaking globally or, or generally the church has sometimes not done a good job connecting these two, our emotional life and our spiritual life. We have sometimes created this divide when I really think it is a bridge. My job today is not to try to create this bridge for you, but it's actually to point out the bridge to you, that this bridge, that this connection is already affirmed biblically in the Bible. That I believe that God absolutely cares about our emotional life and our mental health. And I really want to lay the foundation today with this statement. Your emotions do not make you an enemy with God. But your emotions actually are entrances for God to enter in. I'm going to repeat that again for those in the back. (laughs) Your emotions... Do not make you an enemy with God, but perhaps your emotions actually become an entrance for God to enter in. I remember a few years ago, this might have been my second or third year as a practicing therapist. I had this particular client at the time. She was in high school, just a, a very, man, very pure, genuine person, just had a really... Uh, gentle spirit about her. I remember the the first session, we're doing the intake session and just asking her what were her hopes for therapy. And she shares this story with me. She tells me that she has a fear that she will not go to heaven. She tells me this story that when she was in chapel, she went to a Christian high school. She was in chapel and there was a guest speaker, it was a pastor who I believe was really well-intentioned in what he was saying. I don't think it was malicious at all, but he said that Christians should be the happiest people on the planet, that Christians should never feel this sense of depression. They should never feel anxious because they ultimately know who God is, and they have salvation in Christ. When my client heard that, She internalized that and she said, well, because I don't feel happy right now and I do feel hopeless, I do feel depressed, then maybe I'm not a Christian. And if I'm not a Christian because I feel sad, because I feel depressed. Then I wonder if I actually will go to heaven. Again, we have sometimes believed this lie that says our emotions make us an enemy with God. But I'm gonna lay the foundation today and we're gonna actually look in scripture where actually your emotions again can be an entrance for God to enter in. Consider Hebrews chapter four, verse 15 through 16. Very, very powerful passage in the Bible. But it says in Hebrews chapter four, verse 15 through 16, that we don't have a high priest, high priest referring to Jesus. We don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with us. Yet he is able to sympathize with us because he has experienced every aspect of what it means to be human, just like you and I. In other words, it's saying that. Jesus experienced the weaknesses, the the temptations, the, the emotional strains on our life, just like you have experienced, just like I have experienced. However, that scripture says, even though he experienced every aspect of what it means to be human, he did not sin. And then going on to verse 16, it says, therefore, we can boldly, Come to him. We can boldly come to this high priest in our time of need, and he will be able to help us in the areas in which we need help in our life. That scripture is powerful because it is essentially painting the picture that Jesus experienced the very emotions that you experienced. Let me paint this picture for you. I want you to think about the most challenging emotion that you face or feel in your life. That emotion that you may be labeled as, quote, bad. And we'll talk about that in a minute. I don't believe there is a such thing as a, quote, bad emotion. But just for the sake of painting this picture, I want you to think about that most challenging emotion. The emotion that you sometimes hide, that emotion you sometimes are quiet about, that you don't want to admit that you sometimes feel. I want you to think about that. The Bible says that even that emotion, Jesus experienced that. Jesus is not just some savior that that looks down on us. But he is a savior that actually chose to come down to our level and felt everything that we experienced. The hope in that is he didn't succumb to those emotions, right? He, he didn't sin. So therefore we can go to him boldly. We don't have to hide. We don't have to be fearful. We don't have to believe that Jesus ultimately won't understand and accept us because he actually knows literally what we are going through. There is so much hope in that. Listen, your emotions are simply signals for you to pay attention to. Your emotions, again, don't make you an enemy with God, but perhaps even in the midst of your emotion, that can actually be a way for you to experience God. And experience the love of Christ even deeper. If you don't believe me, if that scripture doesn't do it enough for you, consider Matthew chapter 26, verse 36. When Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane, this is literally days or a few days before he is to be crucified. and He is praying in this garden and he brings Peter, James and John and he says, keep watch. With me, keep watch for me, be alert. I need you to stay awake. And he says in Matthew 26, verse 36, he says that he was so sorrowful to the point of death. Another version says that he was so sorrowful to the point where he felt like dying, it says that he was distressed. It says that he was in anguish. If you have ever experienced being in distress or ever experienced being in anguish, I want to affirm to you today that that emotion actually makes you closer to your Savior than you think. Because the Bible says that those two very emotions Jesus experienced that as well. So I contend, and and this is really my challenge in my heart, if biblically the Bible affirms that even Jesus experienced the most difficult emotions that we have felt, then where does this mindset come from that our emotions automatically make us an enemy with God? Where does this mindset come from that we automatically have to fake our emotions in the sake of appearing more spiritual? Let me say that again. Where does this mindset come from that we have to fake or even lie about our emotions for the sake of appearing more spiritual? When that is not even something God requires of us. Your emotions are simply signals. They are information for you to pay attention to. Dr. Susan David, who is really a researcher, top researcher on our emotions, she eloquently paints it this way. She says emotions are not a stop sign, but emotions are a signpost. They are data They are information for you to pay attention to, but they are not directives where you should lead from. In other words, we learn from our emotions. We are not led by our emotions. Our emotions are trying to tell you something. Your emotions are trying to get you to pay attention to something deeper in your life that you can therefore give to God. But if we are taught, to automatically rebuke the emotion and automatically act like it's not there, then why on earth do we believe that we can overcome the very things that we're not willing to pay attention to? What if some of us are still bound in quote strongholds? I know that's a very churchy word, but I'm using it for the sake of emphasis. What if some of us are still stuck in strongholds because we have neglected the very things that God actually wants us to pay attention to and therefore give to him? Consider Lamentations chapter three. Just even consider that book of the Bible, Lamentations, a whole book committed to lamenting, (laughs) to sorrow. Lamentations chapter 3, you really get an in depth look at some of the emotions that Jeremiah experienced. Now, I have to talk about Jeremiah. Jeremiah is a prophet. This is the same Jeremiah that a lot of us love to quote. We love to have this in our bio and our social media pages. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. For I know. The plans I have for you, right? That very Jeremiah, the Jeremiah that we learn in Jeremiah chapter one, that was ultimately chosen by God. Jeremiah already had or knew his sense of purpose. Bible says before he was even formed in his mother's womb. This is the same Jeremiah. But if you look at Lamentations chapter three, Some of you might be confused because in Lamentations chapter 3, Jeremiah has a very different tone than the feeling that we feel from Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. Lamentations chapter 3 for the first 20 to 21 verses, Jeremiah is brutally honest about his emotional life. He does not hold back at all. You would think that Jeremiah wasn't saved. You would think Jeremiah didn't have a relationship with God. For the first 20 to 21 verses, he is brutally honest about his emotional life until he gets to this point where he says, But I dare to hope in this. The faithful love of the Lord endures forever. I want you to read that chapter that scripture on your own time but this is really the big premise out of this that jeremiah was able to acknowledge his emotions but he was also able to act on what he knew god did not look down on jeremiah for being brutally honest about what he was feeling emotionally Those emotions, again, didn't make him an enemy with God, but they actually became an entrance for God to enter in. Jeremiah, I believe, could not get to the point of saying, I dare to hope in this, the faithful love of the Lord endures forever, if he had not been first honest about his emotional life. Y'all, for those who are listening. Can you be honest about your emotions? Can you not rebuke and shy away from the very things that maybe you should be paying attention to? What if sadness, what if the depression, what if the anxiety is actually a signal for you to pay attention to? What if there is valuable information that you are missing and neglecting? Because you believe that your emotions somehow make you disconnected from God. But I believe your emotions are actually (laughs) the field and actually the place that God does his best work. The emotion of anger. Maybe that's just pointing and signaling to the fact that there has been some injustice, some hurt, some pain in your life that you still need to address, that you still need to unpack, that you still need to process? What if anxiety is maybe pointing to something that you need to pay attention to further in your life? What if that anxiety is simply a signal for you to be able to slow down, to be able to recenter yourself? So as a faith-based therapist, I think it's really important to be able to connect the spiritual, the biblical with the clinical, right? I believe that sometimes our prayers need practicality, right? I think we sometimes need practical tools, practical ways to be able to understand some of these things. So if we, we've really been talking about emotions and, and really paying attention to the emotions that we feel practically, I think one of the ways of paying attention to those emotions is paying attention to where you feel that emotion in your body. And I'll explain it like this. Let's take anxiety. I'll use me, for instance, when I sometimes experience anxiousness, right? When I have anxiety, I really feel that physically in my chest. My chest literally feels tight or my heart rate begins to increase. Instead of me running away from that, that is a signal my body is giving me to pay attention to. So instead of running away from it, what I do and what I teach my clients is to do a body scan. Literally bring your awareness to your body and try to pay attention to where you feel that emotion, where you feel that anxiety in your body. So I told you, I feel it really in my chest, and my heart rate begins to increase. That is a signal for me to slow down. And to pay attention to that emotion. So after I bring my attention and my awareness to where I feel some of that tension in my body. That is when I'm able to slowly. Breathe in. I'm able to slowly breathe out. I'm stopping. I'm paying attention. And I'm doing the things I need to to be able to bring. Some relief to that tension that I feel. After taking a few deep breaths in and out, I can literally feel some of that tension I was experiencing early. I can earlier, I can now feel that tension now leaving my body. I'm able to have a, a sense of clarity. I'm able to feel a little more calm, a little more relaxed. And now I'm able to go about my day and the other decisions that I have to make in my life. If you take out the time, it doesn't have to be a crazy amount of time, but maybe three times a day where you're intentionally pausing your to-do list. Right, We talked about rest in the last episode where you are intentionally slowing down and giving your breath an opportunity to interject your day. And interject your to-do list you will be amazed at how relaxed you feel just by paying attention to your emotion. that is a practical step you can use and that you can utilize when we are addressing this topic of our emotions. So you've heard me lay this foundation today right that your emotions don't make you an enemy with God. But they actually can become entrances for God to enter in. I gave a few biblical examples of Jesus himself, Jesus experiencing some of these distressing or uncomfortable emotions that me and you feel. I even gave an example of the prophet Jeremiah, but I want to end with another example. That comes from the prophet by the name of Elijah. Elijah. We read Elijah's story. Well, specifically what I'm going to reference here is 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19 is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. I will probably do a completely different (laughs) uh, episode just on this passage alone because I believe it affirms the reality of mental health and uh, the reality of us being believers. But 1 Kings chapter 19 Queen Jezebel at that time basically puts out this order and she says, if this time tomorrow, if Elijah is not dead, may the gods strike me down and kill me. She's basically saying that, yo, if y'all don't kill Elijah, I'm going to basically put my life on the line. She is serious. First Kings chapter 19. if You read the very first verses. He runs. He flees for his life and he's even suicidal he literally prays to god that god may take his life this is a prophet this is a man of god right you got to got to add emphasis god right this is a prophet chosen by god who if you read first kings chapter 18 came off an amazing victory and now in the very next chapter He is anxious depressed and suicidal Elijah he's experienced some difficult emotions right now but if you read the next few things that happen in first kings chapter 19 it might blow your mind look at how God responds to Elijah in his emotional plight the very next things that you will see in this scripture, and I encourage you to read it: an angel of the Lord comes. Notice this angel of the Lord didn't do what a lot of us probably would have done. This angel didn't come to Elijah with the scripture, he didn't come with Elijah to come to Elijah with. Do you not know who God is? How dare you act like this? You are a prophet, you are a man of God. You know better. no better know this angel said, hey, you need to eat and you need to get some rest. There's an acronym in the counseling world called HALT. HALT is basically an acronym that tells us to halt or stop whenever we feel hungry, angry, lonely, or tired elijah in that moment was probably all four of those right he he was hungry and ate anything he was literally fleeing for his life he may have not have been angry but he was anxious he had some difficult emotions he was lonely he was literally by himself and he was tired he was exhausted which is why the angel said you need to eat and to sleep sometimes i believe we over spiritualize our emotions when God is probably saying to you, yo, I just need you to rest. I just need you to eat. After that, the angel of the Lord gives him, right, provides food. He rest. Right. The Bible then says that Elijah has enough strength to travel to the mountain of, of God. He gets to this mountain and something amazing happens. There is an earthquake. There is a a fire uh, storm, so to speak. And there is this great wind storm, right? And the Bible says that God was not in those things. Elijah was, was thinking God would be in these big miraculous things. But the Bible says that God then came in a gentle whisper. And Elijah was able to hear his voice. I think that's sometimes figurative of we sometimes think or only try to find God in the big things, but we have a God that still talks to us in whispers. We have a God that still communicates quietly to our souls. This gentle whisper comes and it asks Elijah this question. It says, what are you doing here, Elijah? Now this question is important. If you look throughout scripture, especially the Old Testament, whenever there is an experience of human brokenness, God often invites himself and he asks a question. Questions bring about reflection and they bring about revelation. He asks Elijah, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah, he responds and he says, God, I'm the only one. I'm the only one serving you. I'm the only one that's here for you. I want to encourage you to read the rest of the scripture. But if you get towards the end of that scripture, we realize uh, that there was actually 7000 other people that didn't worship Baal. They didn't worship the pagan gods. Elijah in that moment, he had a cognitive distortion. <laughs> he had a limited thinking and absolute thought that he was the only one. We'll talk about that probably in another podcast episode. But sometimes our absolute thinking and our cognitive distortions are actually things that create the emotions and the distress that we feel. Sometimes what we think does not mean it is true. But Elijah thought he was the only one. But one of the most powerful parts in this scripture that gets me every time, it says that God told Elijah to go back the same way that you came. In other words, we sometimes want God to take us out of circumstances. We sometimes want God to take us out of what we feel. But God says, Elijah, I want you to go back the same way that you came. Because you came here depressed. You came here anxious. You came here suicidal. But now that your perspective has been changed, I want you to go back better. Again, I want you to read this scripture for yourself. I want you to read 1 Kings chapter 19 for yourself. But here is the big takeaway. Elijah's emotions did not disqualify Elijah from still having the purpose and the journey that God had set before him. It didn't disqualify Elijah from his purpose. It didn't make him an enemy with God, but actually were able to see God enter in Elijah's darkest moment in his life. We're able to see that Elijah's emotions did not make him an enemy with God, but they actually became an entrance for God to enter in. That the angel of the Lord, that the voice of God did not meet Elijah with condemnation, but he actually met Elijah with comfort and care. I want that to be the takeaway for you today. Some of you have been hiding certain things because you think that God is going to meet you with condemnation. But I'm here to tell you, just like he was able to meet Elijah in a gentle whisper, what if God actually wants to greet you with care and comfort? Again, y'all, your emotions do not make you an enemy with God, but perhaps your emotions actually become an entrance for God to enter in. Whoo, y'all, I'm so encouraged myself. I mean, this is a reminder for me. Again, I've said it once, I'll say it again. Just because I'm a therapist doesn't mean I'm immune, doesn't mean I'm exempt from having difficult emotions myself. But as a faith-based therapist, I'm thankful that I have a foundation I'm thankful that I have a relationship with God. I'm thankful that I have a relationship with my Savior who was able to empathize with me and how I feel. Because, again, he experienced every aspect of what it means to be human, just like me. And because of that, you and I, all of us, can boldly go to him. And know that he will help us in our time of need. But it first starts with you actually acknowledging what you feel instead of trying to rebuke and run away from it. I hope, I pray that this podcast episode blessed you today. I hope it gives you a different perspective. I hope it allows you to continue in this journey we call life. Your emotions are signals. They are things for you to pay attention to, but your emotions are actually the training ground that God does his best work. Be blessed. I'll see you next time in episode six. I love y'all. Take care.